Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. Thank God for His holy written word. Are you grateful for it, thankful for it? This is lesson 10 on genuine faith. We had a few interruptions with it, but we want to continue along this line, and we're going to include our Thanksgiving message right in it. So just to let you know, we're putting them both together. But look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, beginning at verse 11. This is from the New Living Translation of the Bible. And Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem. He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us or pity us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. There's no question but that this man's genuine faith and all of them, their faith healed them of leprosy. And we see that faith manifesting in two different ways. Number one, just by gathering together and shouting out to Jesus, demonstrated the fact that they believed. This is more toward the end of his ministry, so therefore, we understand he probably had some contact maybe with other lepers that were healed, but whatever. They all grouped together. They had bells around their neck, identifying them as lepers. And with one accord, they voiced their cry to Jesus together in unison because they were at a distance I'm sure there were other people around Jesus and they cried out for mercy. Jesus heard their cry and he said, go show yourself to the priests. Now that was by law that they had to show themselves to the priests if they were healed of leprosy. But remember, at that point they weren't healed. So they, as an act of their faith, began their journey toward the priest to show themselves healed when they weren't healed with every evidence of leprosy still in their body. But as they went, they saw that they were healed. What does that teach us? Faith does not wait for, ch- for things to change before it acts. We don't wait for the problem to be solved before we act in faith. Faith believes and acts even though the circumstances haven't changed at all. Once we get the directive from the Lord, the mandate, whether it's a voice or whether it's the word, we embrace that truth and we act on that truth even though we haven't seen any change whatsoever. That's the thing about faith. It's different than the way we think. It's different than logic. But they stepped up and stepped out. Now, if one of those individuals would have said, I don't see myself healed. I don't see myself cleansed of leprosy. I'm not going until I see a change. He would not have gotten his miracle. But because they all stepped out and they all went forward and acted in faith, 
they all got their miracle. They were healed. They were delivered. Faith acts even though change hasn't taken place. Another thing I want to bring out is there's a distinct difference between being thankful and giving thanks. Did you know that? Being thankful and giving thanks are two different things. We all can be professionals as far as being thankful. But what about our giving of thanks? Let me explain. We teach our children at a young age to say what? Thank you when someone does something for them. I guarantee you if you give a little two-year-old a lollipop, they're very thankful. (laughs) Thankfulness is a condition of the heart. Right? But what does a parent teach that child to do? Say thank you. That's giving thanks to the person that gave you the lollipop. So you could be thankful, but not give thanks. So we teach them at a young age to say thank you. An expression, you see, giving thanks is an expression or it's an action, an outward action, not just an inward feeling and emotion. So when they get a little bit older, what do we try to instill within them? You should send a thank you note. Or offer other expressions of thanksgiving. Have you ever done something nice for someone and they came and brought you a pumpkin pie? Then you were thankful. (laughs) And you thanked them by eating it. So there's a difference between being thankful inwardly and giving thanks outwardly. So I venture to say that all 10 of these lepers were thankful. But only one returned to give thanks. Usually when you hear this, people teach on ingratitude, thinking that these other nine were unthankful. But I would disagree with that. And I'm going to share with you why in a moment. I'm sure they were thankful on the inside. But they failed to give thanks on the outside. To express their thanksgiving like the one did. Now, when it comes to leprosy, let's look at the nine. Leprosy was a horrific disease, especially back in Bible days. Go online, you can see some pictures of those that were experiencing extreme cases of leprosy. It affected them spiritually. It affected them physically. It affected them socially. Every way and emotionally. Let's start with the spiritual aspect of it. They were considered to be outcasts of God under the judgment of God. The hand of God being against them from a spiritual perspective. Look in the book of Numbers and you'll see something here about leprosy. This is the life of Miriam. This is the sister of Moses. When her and Aaron were basically speaking out against Moses. And this is what happened to her. My servant Moses is not so who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then, were ye not afraid, notice this, to speak against my servant. Aaron and Miriam were speaking against Moses. Who does he think he is? Is God only using him? Does he think that he's so special that God has to just use him? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed, and the cloud departed 
from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein you have done foolishly, and wherein have we sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. Leprosy was horrific. He called them out of the tent of the tabernacle, and he said, I have to have a talk with you. Can you imagine you being in your home, all of a sudden you hear a voice out in your driveway that says, come out of the house, and it's God's, and says, I want to talk with you. Hmm, okay. I have people that I call to my office, and they're afraid to come in. I just want to say good job or something like that. The first thing out of their mouth is, what have I done wrong? Why am I being called into your office? Notice that how God saw and heard Miriam and Aaron conspiring against Moses. He says, this is, aren't you afraid to talk about my servant like that? Don't you have any fear of me? She became leprous. Why did he single her out? I dare not go down that path. <laughs> Apparently, she's the one that probably started the whole thing. But the point is, she became leprous under the judgment of God. And when Moses cried out and said, please deliver her. Don't let her be like this even for one moment. He said, she'll suffer that way for a week. A week. And notice, it was basically, he was basically saying, she'd be like one that was stillborn, that came out of the womb dead. A leprous condition was a terrible condition. And many believe that if you had leprosy, that you were under the judgment of God and that God basically rejected you completely. So can you imagine that thought? God rejecting you completely was going through their minds. It affected them physically. There was a man, a pastor from North Carolina, and he went to, uh, on a short missions trip to the Philippine Islands. And while he was there at the Philippine Islands, there was a colony of lepers that were there. This one person, he was at a distance, and this one person, this woman, all he saw was the back of her head. Then all of a sudden, she turned around to say something. And when she turned around, he said, it was the most hideous face I had ever seen. Her nose was eaten away. Her lips were eaten away. Her ears were eaten away. Her hands were fingerless. They were stubs. It attacks the nervous, the nerves, which is why it eats away at the toes and the, and the fingertips and the tips of your nose and your ears and all that. Her lips were gone. He said she was hideous to look at. The physical part of it is beyond words, unimaginable. So if you can imagine that condition being in these people's lives, these 10 lepers, and I'm sure there were many more. But this is what they were going through. This is what they were facing. Then thirdly, socially, they were social outcasts. They had to live without the city. They lived in caves. They lived in tents. They lived in colonies. In some cases, they lived near garbage dumps where they can get their food that way. They were alienated from their families, society, from their friends. They wore these bells around their neck. They had to have their hair matted and unclean. They had to have clothes on that identified them as lepers. And they wore the bell so that they could ring the bell so that if they got near any person, you know, they would let them know I'm a leper. They were allowed only a certain distance 
coming into a certain distance from a Jewish person, if the wind was blowing a certain way, it multiplied that by 25. They had to stay away so others would not contract the disease. So if you can imagine that, they had no access to going to the synagogue, going to church. They had no access to bar mitzvahs or anything of that nature. They had no access to going to a restaurant or out to eat. They had no social life whatsoever. And in, for the most part, they were alone. In some cases, they had these little groups where they were together. But you know what? Here's the thing, the beauty of it. Did you notice that they were Jews and, Samar and this one was a Samaritan? They never contacted each other. They hated each other. But isn't it something that when leprosy was found in both of them the walls came down it didn't matter where they came from anymore so just picture this now emotionally mm, wow think about their emotional state how distraught they might have been God rejects us our bodies are deteriorating away we're looking at each other and watching it happen right before our very eyes we can't contact our families. We can't be with them. We can't socialize with anybody. We can't eat with people. We can't get a hug. We can't get a kiss. We can't get anything from anyone. They're distraught. Gloom, despair, agony on me is the cry of their heart. And rightfully so. Rejects. Hmm. Well, that's the condition those 10 were in. Thankful? You think that we're thankful? Let me tell you something. Listen to the dialogue. When Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest, and they began their journey to go to the priest, and after they got so far into their journey, all of a sudden, one looks at the other. Bob says, uh, Joe says to Bob, Bob, look at my hands. I've got fingers. And, and Joe says back, to Bob, or Bob says back to Joe, look, it's not just forget about your fingers. You've got a nose. You've got lips. Your face is normal. My goodness, Joe, Bob, you too. Look, your toes. You're whole. Oh my goodness, we have our lives back. Let's get to the priest. Let's show them. We can go see our families. We can go to the best Jewish restaurant around. We can go to bar mitzvahs. We can go to marriage ceremonies. We can, oh my goodness. You think they were thankful at that moment? Oh, they were very thankful at that moment. They were so glad to be rid of that. Like, you talk about a lollipop. This is so much better than a lollipop. They were so glad within. They were thankful from within. And now they're really speeding it up. They're running to get to the priest to show that they are cleansed, which was by law the requirement. But this one Samaritan, he wasn't just thankful. It says in our scriptures, he turned back and went to the giver of the gift. And he went there to give thanks. An expression of thanksgiving. An expression outwardly of the thankfulness of his heart. And isn't it amazing that it was an outcast, a Samaritan that did this, and not those of the Jewish camp. And how did he do it? Not just with a thank you. And notice that Jesus identifies or basically counts thanksgiving as giving glory to God as well. He, calls, he basically says they're the same, one and the same. He gets on his face in the dirt. Right on his feet, at his feet. 
And he praises him and thanks him for his miracle. And Jesus called that giving glory. At first he said to give thanks. And then he said, is only this foreigner the one that came to give glory? Think about that. Another thing that you might not know that's very important at this point. Do you know that when the temple was built, there was an outer part of the temple called the court of the Gentiles? And did you know the Gentiles were only allowed in that little outer court so wide? And they could actually be there. But if they dared take one step in toward the inner court, they did so by death. There's a placard on the wall that says, foreigners not permitted, punishable by death. Isn't it something that a foreigner was not allowed to enter into the temple? But this foreigner can fall at the feet of the builder of the temple and worship him intimately at his feet. This was an expression of gratitude from his heart, giving the glory to the creator or the giver of the gift, who was Jesus. And what that tells me is that Jesus takes and God our Father takes giving of thanks seriously. We go to the one now, the one that gave thanks. And notice there are three questions that Jesus asks this man. Actually, anyone that was there. Were there not ten that were healed? Uh, yeah. Where are the other nine? Don't know. Is only this foreigner the one who has come back to give glory to God? I guess so. Beloved, as Christians, we've been giving the greatest gifts imaginable. In James 1 verse 17, look at what it says. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He gave us Jesus, the greatest gift. He gave us the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Ghost. He gave us the gift of redemption, the gift of salvation, the gift. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. He has bestowed upon us the gift of the kingdom of God with the keys of entrance to every department and chamber that there is in eternal glory and says, I'm giving it all to you. We should be more than thankful. Being thankful for all these gifts is one thing. Giving thanks for them is another. It's by faith that we give thanks to God for these things. Uh, look at the book of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. Jesus wasn't happy with these others. He wasn't just stating, well, uh, I guess they just had something to do. They were too busy. You know, they were thankful, I understand that, but they were too busy to come back and give thanks to the gift giver. No, he was very angry about the fact that they did not return to give thanks first and then go to show themselves to the priest he was upset about it and I'm going to show you why I'm going to share with you in scripture as to why in a moment by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God 
Now you remember the priest was responsible to offer the morning and the evening sacrifice. Remember they had to do that? By law. But we don't have to do that. We don't have to offer up sacrificial animals. Aren't you glad for that? That is the fruit of our lips. To God continually the fruit of our lips giving thanks. Notice where it starts. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Do you know we can be thankful and yet be silent and not give thanks as we should? Our responsibility is to be so full of revelation of the things that God has done for us as well as who he is that it starts from our toes and it begins to rise up in our spirit. It just consumes us like a fire burning within our souls and we realize without him we are nothing. Without him we have nothing. Without him we know nothing. Without him we can do nothing. We thank him for being our creator. We thank him for being our life giver, our our lawmaker. And from the depth of our soul we thank him for all the wonderful things he has done for us, all the gifts he has provided for us. And this is an attitude of faith that we have in doing so. God takes giving thanks seriously. Exhibit A, and stay with me on this. Exhibit A, Romans chapter 1. Oh, he takes this so seriously. Because why? This is the highest expression of our faith toward God. Thanksgiving and praise together combined make up the highest expression of our faith toward God for his invisible invisible attributes this is from the English standard version namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made for they are without excuse for although they knew God they did not honor or glorify him as God the King James says or What are the next two words? What didn't they do? Or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. What's he saying? This has created confusion in people's minds. The darkness that exists in the human soul is a result of not recognizing God as creator and thanking him for his creation, his creative powers and abilities, even his lawmaking wisdom. They didn't give him thanks for that. So claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Why? Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creator rather, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. Do you realize what he is saying is this? That because the people then did not glorify God as creator, life giver and lawmaker and give thanks to him for that, It gave birth to all human depravity. You could read on and what does it say? That's when they got involved in all kinds of immoral activities and all that because they didn't recognize that God is our creator. And as our creator, he is, praise God, our lawmaker. He has governing rules that we're to live by. 
And before the fall of man, everything was perfect. But after the fall of man, all of a sudden, his mind became darkened. He refused to recognize God as creator. He refused to recognize God as the life giver. Think about it. We didn't come from God. We came from monkeys. Or we emerged from the sea. Can you see all this in here? Rather than saying, I thank you, my creator. I thank you, my life giver. I thank you, my lawmaker. I may not feel like it. I may feel like I'm full of leprosy, but let me tell you right now, I'm going to march toward the pearly gates of heaven. I'm going to serve you with my life. I'm going to thank you for creating me. I'm going to thank you for making me. I'm going to thank you for giving me laws to live by. And I will glorify you with expressions of thanksgiving by saying, you're right and I'm wrong. Think about it. All this that's going on in our society today is because they refuse to acknowledge God as the creator, the life giver, and the lawmaker. Hey, if God didn't say it was wrong, then it's not wrong. It's okay. But if God says it's wrong, it's wrong. Okay, exhibit number two is Ephesians chapter five. Beginning at verse one from God's words translation. Imitate God. Just take those first two words. What does that do to you? Imitate God. Wow. Since you are the children he loves, live in love as Christ also loved us. He gave his life for us as an offering and sacrifice and soothing aroma to God. Was that the greatest gift that God has ever given? You agree with that? Are you thankful for that? Okay, it's one thing to be thankful, but it's another thing to give thanks. So how do I give thanks? Verbally, as well as other expressions of service. So look what he goes on to say. Don't take this out of context. Do not let sexual sin, perversion of any kind, or greed even be mentioned among you. This is not appropriate behavior for God's holy people. It's not right that dirty stories, foolish talk, or obscene jokes should be mentioned among you either. Instead, 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 give thanks to God. You know very well that no person who is involved in sexual sin, perversion, or greed, which means worshiping wealth, can have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Everybody say, wow. Say it backwards. All you can say is wow to that. <laughs> Not giving things can lead to immorality. So what's he talking about? Imitate God. Live a life of love. Remember the gift that was given to give you life. He's your life giver as well as creator. He is your savior and your redeemer. So live your life pleasing to God. And notice he brings right into it immediately immorality. Rather than using your words to express things that are coarse, things that are wrong, sexually in that sort of thing he says look give thanks to God let me just make it a little bit easier for us to understand if every husband every day would say father I give thanks to you for this wonderful wife that I have I thank you for her life I think I know she's not perfect only Chris is perfect I know she's not perfect you could tell her that one okay 
But I'm thanking you for her. I thank you for how beautiful she is, how wonderful she is. And I just thank you for giving her to me. And you're so consumed and so caught up in giving thanks to the Father for her life. You don't have time to put your eyes on someone else's. You don't have time to surf the internet to find out some girl that you're trying to hook up with or anything like that. You look at the positive qualities of your spouse, both husband and wife. Same thing, wives. Thank you, Father, for this man that you've given me who loves you, who honors you, who obeys you, who serves you. I know he's not perfect. I'm not even going there. (laughs) You'll tell on me. I know he's not perfect, but I'm thanking you for the life that he lives. I'm thanking you that he's part of me and I'm a part of him. And next to you, this is the most important relationship in my life. I'm expressing thanks to you. I'm expressing gratitude to you. And then also say it to one another. Well, guess what? You closed the door to immorality. You closed the door to letting your eyes wander off somewhere to have some affair with someone who means nothing whatsoever to you, etc., etc., etc. We can close the door to that. So what's God saying? Give thanks to God for his acts of creation. He is the ultimate creator. He is the ultimate life giver. He's the ultimate lawmaker. Live your life by this design. And you know what? In doing so, you're expressing gratitude and thanksgiving to your heavenly father for giving you life and existence on this planet. Now, there are many other ways we could do that. We'll talk in just a moment. But look at the next one. We give thanks to who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ. There's not time for us to walk down the wrong path. But look at Ephesians 5, going down to verse 17. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. This is the will of the Lord. Do not be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be being filled with the Spirit. How? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. What are the next two words? Giving thanks how often? Always Always for how many things? All things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he is saying? Give thanks to God for a spirit-filled life. By giving thanks, praise God, we can be controlled by the Spirit. We can be empowered by the Spirit. So God wants us to constantly give thanks to him, to express thanks to him by saying every day of our lives, I need your spirit strength and power and ability and enablement. I need this unction to function every day in my life. So rather than being like the lepers with doom, gloom, and agony on me and all that sort of thing, even though you don't feel right, even though you don't look right, even though it seems like in the natural the things aren't lining up to what the Word says, you've learned how to, like we taught the child to say thank you or to express it with a thank you card. And, you, and I start saying thank you. I thank you. Oh, no, it may not be perfect in this realm that I'm living in right now. I may be confused about certain things right now. But I'm thanking you for wisdom. I'm thanking you for direction. I'm thanking you for guidance. I'm thanking you for the Holy Ghost. I'm thanking you for teaching me, instructing me, enlightening me, empowering me, enabling me to live the life that you want me to live. And I believe, praise God, your hand is upon me. I'm thanking you for Holy Ghost power. We can live a spirit-controlled life by doing so, praise God. Notice the place giving things plays in this. It plays a big part in it and a big role. Look at the next one in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 16 through 18. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything do what? 
Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Why is he saying that? Because as we said earlier, thanksgiving and praise combined become what? The ultimate expression of our faith in God. You see this circumstance, Lord? It's adverse. It doesn't line up with your word. And I'll tell you what, my feelings are hurt by it. Everything, I admit it. It's coming against me, challenging me in every way in, in my life. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I am not going to give place to my feelings and emotions. I'm going to collect myself and rise up. I'm going to start saying in all my circumstances of life, you are greater in me than he that is in this world. This is an opportunity for me to let you move on my behalf and work in my life in a powerful and glorious way. So thank you for turning this situation around. I thank you, praise God, for the financial aid that I believe I receive it, praise God, and therefore I have it. I'm thanking you for it, Father, in advance before I see any change right now. I'm operating in faith. Not doubt, not unbelief. I'm not controlled by the circumstance. I'm controlled by the Holy Ghost and power. I'm controlled by the authority of your word and the power of the name of Jesus. I am thanking you. I am praising you. I am blessing you for my miracle before I see any change whatsoever take place in my life. Can you say amen? amen. And then finally, in the book of Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. Paul prayed this prayer for the church at Colossae. And he prayed that God would fill them with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that they would walk worthy of him to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might by his spirit according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who delivered us from the powers of darkness, translated us in the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the remission of sins. Notice the three things he says to give thanks to God for. Thank you for delivering us. Thank you for giving us an inheritance. Thank you for redeeming us. So we have an inheritance. You have an inheritance. Are we thanking God daily for our inheritance? Remember we talked about the inheritance? We talked about if you're on the joint account with someone, you're like a joint heir with Jesus Christ. It belongs to you because it's yours. Okay, so we give thanks to God for our inheritance. We give thanks to God for our deliverance from the kingdom of darkness. Our deliverance from all the powers of evil. And our redemption that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does God take giving thanks seriously? Oh, he really does. But how do I give thanks to him? Expressions, verbal expressions, and also acts of service. You realize that you're giving thanks to him by being here today? Just by being here today and worshiping him together with other believers, making an effort to say, I thank you for my salvation. I thank you that I can belong to a church family where I can serve you, honor you, use the gifts and talents and the abilities that you've imparted to me to be a blessing to somebody else, to touch a person's heart, to change a person's life. I want to thank you this morning, Father God, that I have the privilege of attending a church, not living in a foreign land where I, I'm not allowed to even congregate with other believers. I thank you, dear Father God, for the life I have. I thank you for what you've given me, all the things that pertain to my redemption and salvation. I am so grateful. I am so thankful. If we would get so caught up in this kind of giving of thanks, not just saying, I'm thankful. He knows I'm thankful. He knows my heart. I know, but he didn't receive your thank you card. Your thank you note. He knows you're thankful, but did you send the card? He knows you're thankful, but did you get on your face on his toes in the dirt 
and say, I want to express my gratitude by bowing before your presence. That's what we're doing here today. You see, we're not here only for each other. We are mainly here to bow before him and say, no, are we perfect? No. Is any church perfect? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But is he perfect? Has he given every good and perfect gift from above? Are you a recipient of that gift? Has he imparted it to you? Do you have your salvation? Do you have your redemption? Do you have your inheritance? Do you have your mate out there? You have your children. Are you thanking God for them every day? I'll tell you what, this, this becomes so clear to me when I say walk through a mall somewhere. I, actually, I was at a parking lot of a restaurant one time and the woman was so irate with her child that was in a car seat, almost ripped his child's arm off. Shaking this child. I was about to say something. Then she calmed down. And I thought. Are you kidding me? You have no clue. First of all. That child doesn't just belong to you. That child got its life from the living God. And that child belongs to him. You are entrusted by him to take care of this child, to train that child, to educate that child, to love that child, to protect that child, to care for that child. And all that child seems to be like to you is a burden on your soul. Oh, I know there's pressures that we all go through in life. But you know what? If we learn to be more thankful and then learn how to express Thanksgiving as we ought to, we would look and see the whole world through different eyes. We'd be so grateful to God that we would express to him, thank you for another breath of life. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you for my children. Thank you. No, they're not perfect, but you know what? I thank you for their lives. I'm going to be an example to help them develop maturity. And number one, knowing you, reverencing you, being responsible for their decisions, and respecting other people. Those are the three R's that I'm going to teach my child. That's how God wants us to be. So in conclusion, it's one thing to be thankful. But you see, it's a greater thing to be a person who gives thanks. Because you give thanks by, number one, verbally. But then secondly, by making decisions that please Him. Giving of your tithes and offerings to support His work is an expression of glorifying God. Remember, Jesus said He came, came back to give thanks and glorify the giver. You glorified him with your giving today. You said thank you from your heart. You glorify him and say thank you to him. Remember what Jesus said? If you give a cup of cold water to someone, you've done it to me. I'm thanking you, Father, by helping this other person out, by being a blessing to somebody else. God wants us to develop an attitude of gratitude that's demonstrated and expressed with acts of thanksgiving, expressions that come from the heart. In doing so, we bring honor and glory to his holy name. Let's all stand together before the Lord.